What a wonderful song. Thank God for the choir. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Romans, chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. I want to encourage you to continue to pray. Now, you may not pray on the same time that you prayed uh, on the prayer cycle where we did 24 hours a day, but you pray that God will work, that souls will be saved. There's, we still need revival. We need God to move in here and across this nation. And uh, I want to share something with you. I was, I've been on a series dealing with sin. And uh, then last week, I, I, God laid something on my heart. We, of course, we had the uh, judgment house, and I preached on heaven on that morning. And then uh, last Sunday, I preached from the book of Romans. I am devotionally reading through the book of Romans now. And I, sometimes I get blessed, and what blesses me, I feel like it might bless you. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. It's still the power of God unto salvation. There's no other gospel. There's no, there's no special gospel for the Jew. Uh, there's no special gospel for the Hispanic. There's no special uh, gospel for those in Suriname or in the Philippines, anywhere else. There's one gospel, one gospel message, and that is that Jesus Christ bore our sins in his own body on the tree. He died, was buried, rose again, and uh, he's alive. And the good news, the word gospel means good news, is he's alive. And because he lives, you can live also if you'll trust him as your Savior. Now, how many of you know you're saved? Raise your hand. You know that you're saved and on your way to heaven. I thank the Lord for that. Well, there's something else that God spoke to my heart about in the book of Romans. And so I want to just share this with you this morning. In the book of Romans, and when I dealt with uh, this passage of Scripture uh, through the summer, we did favorite Bible verses. This, of course, is one of the favorite Bible passages. I'm going to look at it a little bit differently today than I did then. But I want you to look in Romans, if you will, please, chapter number 8. Romans 8, 28. It happens to be the favorite verse of Dr. Lee Robertson. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he, he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his dear son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is he, it is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that's risen again, who's even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Will you bow with me for prayer? Our Father, I ask now the Holy Ghost of God to empower me. Thank you for the wonderful congregational singing. Thank you for the choir. Our Father, for their diligence in practice and God, for your anointing on them as they sing. I'm glad God to be redeemed today. I'm glad, Lord, that you gave your son that we might have everlasting life.
And Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for the wonderful song that Brother Ricky sang. And God, I, I'm thankful that, our Father, the, the best thing of all is that we'll see Jesus before long. And God, I pray you'd help us to be faithful to then. Now, Lord Jesus, I plead your blood over this place. God, you're able to save to the uttermost all that call upon you. For our friends in the radio audience, I pray, God, that you'd sanctify the hearing and the preaching of the Word of God this morning. I pray, God, that, Lord, that you'd bind and rebuke every devil and every demon in the strong name of Jesus. And I pray, God, now that you'd bless. Lord, speak to hearts. Our Father, there are folk in this building this morning who are going through things that they don't quite understand. And sometimes, our Father, the days are dark. But God, I pray you'd help us to understand the promises of this wonderful passage of Scripture that I've read in hearing of all these friends. And I pray, God, for your anointing. Now, God, help people. God, minister truth to their life. Your word is truth, and in that we'll find liberty and freedom. I pray, God, that, Lord, if there's a lost person here today, that God the Holy Ghost would speak to them, draw them by your grace, and save them for Jesus' sake. And I'll thank you and praise you and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. As you go through the Bible, every part of the Bible is a wonderful blessing to my heart. There's some things that I like to read more than others. I preach the message on the drowning of John Smith. And when I <clears throat> introduce that message, I always say that that passage of scriptures in the, book of Gen in the book of Genesis is not one of my favorite passages of scriptures. When God destroyed everything in whose nostrils was the breath of life. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, everything that had breath, everything died. He wiped out the whole outfit. And, it, and that judgment and wrath of God is a passage that I don't especially like to read. I, but I read it and, and God's blessed it and used it over the years. But there are others that as you look across the panoramic view of the Word of God, to me just stand like great mountains, like great lighthouses. And in all the Word of God as you go through, boy, they're just like a flashing light and a blessing as you read them. Psalms 23 is one of those verses. As you go along and you find that the Lord is your shepherd. Oh, what a blessing, wonderful that is. Now, there's another passage of Scripture in the Old Testament where he says, I'll keep in perfect peace he whose mind is stayed on me. That's a blessing to my heart. When I come to the New Testament, certainly I guess the pinnacle of the New Testament is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In the book of Philippians, a wonderful passage of Scriptures. But my God shall supply all of his needs, or your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ. Boy, that's a, that's a, a beacon in a dark world right now. But I guess probably one of the greatest passage scriptures in the New Testament for those who are going through difficult times is found here in the book of Romans. Now, I want to say to you, I, I try to be, uh, I try to mind the Holy Ghost because I've been there. Regina and I have buried a little girl and uh, I, I love the Lord. She loved the Lord. We know that God's a God of grace and mercy. But, you know, sometimes the Bible verses that we just kind of simply throw out at people, they don't, you, you got to be the right time at the right place. You know, people who haven't ever been through that, and they say to you, well, you know, God's this and God's that. Uh, you may be saved, but, you know, people don't know how you're hurting on the inside. And sometimes better for me and better for you if we don't say anything, but just let people know we love them and care. I remember when our little girl died, I can see it like it was yesterday. There was a preacher not far from us. His name was Rudolph Evans. I knew Brother Rudolph. We'd seen him from time to time. We had a wonderful pastor, Earl Shotwell, and friends for the church had been by, and we were gathering around Regina's mom and dad's house 
just before the funeral and uh, just uh, right after Christy had died. And I remember as we pulled up in the driveway, I saw Rudolph Evans come out of the back door, her mama's house, coming down the driveway to meet us. And I, rem- I can see his face today and how that blessed me that he would come. He was busy, had a, uh, his own church and everything and, and knew me and Regina through her mom and dad and we knew him, but not, not real close you know, friends like everyday friends or anything like that. But what a blessing. I don't recall a thing Rudolph said. I don't think he tried to preach to me. I don't think he tried to quote scripture to me. I believe he just hugged me and Regina and loved us a little bit and let us know that he loved us. And you know, sometimes that's what you need to do when people are hurting. But you know, when, when I preached a message up in Reedsville one time, a young couple had a baby to be born and it was a beautiful little baby boy. And then a few weeks later, it died of SIDS. And oh, listen, that daddy cried and cried. And he said to me, Brother Billy, I'm, I'm not mad at God. I know God's in control. But I just want to know what it takes to heal the pain. And I, I didn't have any answers. I'd been through it. Regina, I've been through it. But I didn't have any real answers. And I said, God, you've got to help me. We didn't do a big uh, church funeral and all. We did a graveside for the little baby. And, uh, but that day, God, the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart some things that helped to heal the pain. And one thing uh, was time. And, and, and that's, that's the ultimate. There's, there's no quick fix to hurting heart. There's no quick fix to some things. And some things, it just takes a matter of time. And then the other thing was tears. God made us to where we can cry. And, and it's Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. I know, I don't know all the implications of that, but I know he wept at the tomb of Lazarus. But I, then the other thing I, that God spoke to my heart about was this truth, the truth. You may not, you, 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 you may not be in a rational state of mind when tragedy comes or heartache comes or difficulty come. You may not be able to, but there's a truth and truth will sustain you. He said, the truth shall set you free. It'll set you free from fear. It'll set you free from heartache and and sadness. The truth of God will eventually give you liberty and freedom from a broken heart. Freedom will eventually bind that mournful heart and sad heart. It's truth to do that. And, but you've got to have the truth. It's got to get inside and work. On a, almost every occasion when I go in the hospital and there's somebody there with some physical malady, once they decide what's needed, they'll begin to give them a certain amount of medication. But not one medication that I know of that they give you, except maybe something to avert a heart attack, works just like that. And they'll say, we're going to, we figured out what the infection is. We're going to give you this antibiotic, but it'll take a little while. A lot of antibiotics, they give you a 10 day prescription. It takes a little while. Well, the truth of the word of God, God can speak peace to your heart and he can calm you just like that. But I'm going to tell you, the truth of the word of God will work inside of you and it'll be a blessing. So you need that truth. And here's the truth. Here's the truth. Paul said this in this book, Romans chapter number eight, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And on that Wednesday night, when I dealt with this passage of scripture, I dealt with the overall purpose here. And that is his, his purpose to conform us to the image of his dear son. And so everything comes in our life is pointed toward that. This morning, I want to take a little bit different view of that. I want to just look at the word purpose this morning. Purpose. What is the purpose? What's God's purpose? 
I pulled out a, a dictionary. I, I think Joel Shelby, uh, I know they did, were kind enough to uh, Brother Jim Cochran in our Jubilee a couple of years ago had one of the 1828 Webster dictionaries. Noel Webster was a Christian. And he, he has in that original dictionary, it's huge, a lot of biblical references. And so I pulled out that to look up the word purpose. And I wrote down what he had written in there. And listen to this. Purpose, that which a person sets before himself as an object to be reached or accomplished. The end or the aim to which the view is directed in any plan, measure, or exertion. And then the very next statement, here's what he said. We believe the supreme being created intelligent beings for some benevolent and glorious purpose. And if so, how glorious and benevolent must be his purpose in the plan of redemption. He said, I, he said, we believe that God, the supreme being, has created every individual with a purpose in mind that in their life that they may have a benevolent and a, a glorious purpose that God has a plan for my life and your life. And then he goes on and he adds, if God has for us a benevolent and glorious purpose for our life. How glorious and benevolent must be his purpose toward us. I wish I could get you to understand this morning that God loves you, that God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. Oh, what a blessing it would be to understand the purpose of God to understand that God in every person in this building, every person in the sound of my voice, that you're not just a, a, a non-entity with God. You're not just a little speck of dust in all of his creation. God has an intense interest in you. Before and as you were being formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. He knew all about you before the foundation of the world. He loved you. And when he sent his son, he sent his son to die for you. And he has a purpose for your life. And God has a plan for your life. And it is for your good and for his glory. And my dear friend, that's if you'd ever get a hold of that, it'd change the way you live your life. It would affect your thought patterns and everything that comes your way. God has a divine plan for this universe. God has a divine plan for the church. God has a divine plan for individuals. Now, I know this, that men sometimes live their life without a purpose who don't know the Lord. I know that sometimes those who don't know God live their life to evil purposes. It is their intent to do evil. That's part of the old nature. But I'm just saying this morning that God has a purpose. I want you to follow with me this morning. I'll give you quite a few scriptures. I'll try to get through just as quick as I can. But it's important that you write these scriptures down if you don't look them up. Look in the book of Jeremiah chapter 14 and verse number 27. Our, in this reference, our Lord, I want to deal with to begin with the purpose of a sovereign God. Notice what he said in the book of Isaiah chapter number 14. Look at verse number 27 and listen to what he said. He said, for the Lord of hosts hath purposed it. Who shall disannul it? 
and his hand is stretched out. Who shall turn it back? Look at verse 24. The Lord of hosts has sworn saying, surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. God has purposed certain things. And he said, nothing's going to change that. Nothing's going to alter that. Who in the world could resist God? Who in the world could stand against God? The Bible says in that same book of Isaiah. Let me call your attention to chapter number 46. Look in Isaiah chapter 46. And will you look with me, please, in this passage of scripture. And look at verse number 11, chapter 46 and verse 11. And he says this, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. When God has a purpose, nothing can alter that. Nothing can change that. God has a purpose and a plan for certain things. I, some time ago, I heard a preacher uh, preaching, and I don't recall where it was at, but it, it was a blessing to my heart. He was talking about the will of God. And he said in, the, in the regard to the will of God, there is a, there is a uh, so far as God's concerned, there is a definite will of God. There's some things that God's already said before the foundation of the world, they're going to happen. You just might as well know that. God has predetermined that. God said something. He's God. He can do like he wants to. I, I, when you get to thinking about the animal world, I got thinking about this one day. Who in the world did God consult when he made animals? He decided to make a giraffe. That's a weird looking creature, long neck and uh, goofy looking and small body, long legs. And he made that creature. Then he made a hippopotamus. And what a contrast between the, 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 the uh, giraffe and the hippopotamus. But he chose to make them in his sovereign purpose. He made all those before man was even interested, uh, before man was ever even created. Made them all. And so that's never changed. He still has, he has a definite purpose. And then he has a declared purpose. And that is when you read the word of God, you'll find his declared purposes. I don't know all that God's doing. That's a definite plan. But there are some declared purposes in this Bible. And I can read that. I can understand what his plan is. I can tell you without any shadow of a doubt that America will fall. It's going to fall. I don't know when, but it will fall. I, I can tell you without any shadow of a doubt that all the armies of the world will amass themselves against Israel. I can tell you without any shadow of a doubt there's going to be a great battle of Armageddon when the Lord Jesus Christ comes with ten thousands of his saints and fiery vengeance, take, taking vengeance on them that know not God. I know that's going to happen. I know there's going to be a rapture of the church. That is his declared will. I know that there's going to be a, a, a rapture of the church. I know there'll be a judgment seat of Christ. I know there'll be a white throne judgment. I know that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. I know that those who are redeemed will live for all eternity in a place called heaven. And I believe that with all my heart. And those who are lost will be in the lake of fire, a place called hell for all eternity. I believe that's his declared. It's there. It's already there. You can see it in the word of God. And then I believe that God has a desired will. I believe God did make us to where you and I can align ourselves with his purpose. He's not willing that any should perish. It is his desire to save everybody. But the truth of the matter is some will be lost. Why? It's because he doesn't want to save them. I don't believe that. 
Is it because he didn't shed his son's blood? His son's was not his blood shed so they could be saved? I don't believe that. I believe he died for the whole world. But men choose to reject the free gift. It's a free gift. And you don't have to take it. But if you take it, what a joyous thing it is to know the Lord Jesus Christ. But God has a plan. God has a plan for the church. God has a plan for individuals. And God has that plan. The Lord Jesus Christ. Turn over in your Bible, please, to the book of 1 John. In 1 John chapter 3, there was a purpose for Jesus coming. Notice what it was and what one aspect of it. In 1 John chapter 3, I call your attention to verse number 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And then turn back over to the book of Hebrews, just a little ways back, and chapter number 2 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Part of the purpose of Christ was to defeat Satan. The reason he came carnate in human flesh was to defeat Satan. Satan had robbed man of so many things in the garden, but Jesus Christ came to defeat him. That's why he said in one passage of scripture, if you'll submit yourself to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Jesus Christ is the victor. And you and I are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And my dear friend, Jesus Christ's purpose in coming was to defeat the work of the devil. But he had another purpose. He said it and he defined it this way. I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. I came to give my life a ransom for men. I came to pay the sin debt. Jesus' purpose in life was to come to suffer and bleed and die. He said, I didn't come to be ministered unto, but to minister and give my life a ransom. Jesus' purpose in life was to suffer and bleed and die so you and I could be saved and have a home in heaven. And thank God for that purpose. I'm glad that that was in God's eternal plan and that God did that. Look over in the book of 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, I call your attention to chapter number 1. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to begin reading with verse number 8. Here the apostle Paul makes this statement. For we were not, brethren, have you to be ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Paul said, I want you church in Corinth to know this, that I have been through some problems. I believe with all my heart, Romans 8, 28, Paul testified to that fact, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to those who call to his purpose. But Paul said, while he was living here, that he went through some difficult times. He said there were times, he said, that I, I in trouble. He said, I was pressed out of measure above strength in so much that I despaired even of life. He said, I was in a situation where I, I just was ready to give up, die. But God's a God of grace and God's a God of mercy and God has a purpose. Notice what he said in verse 9. For we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God, which raised the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver us in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. And three tenses, God's delivered us in the past. He's delivering us now and he will deliver us in the future. Ye also helping together by prayer for us 
that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and God's sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and moreover to you word. And we, he said, for we write none other things unto you that, that you read and acknowledge. I trust you shall acknowledge even the end. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth and he's saying, I've, I want to do God's will. He said, I'm sharing with you the will of God in this book. I'm writing to you that. And he said, I've gone through some very difficult times. Paul had, had in the perfect will of God went through hard times. Can I say to you that you can be saved and you can be right in the perfect will of God and going through hard times. People say, Brother Billy, if, if it's God's will, why am I having all these problems? Why is it all going on? Well, I don't know all the answers to it. But I know that Paul went through it. I know that Jesus came and it was in the perfect will of God for him to die for us. That means it was in the perfect will of God that he would be bitten, beaten, that he would be abused, that he'd be nailed on that cross. It was in God's perfect will. I don't understand all that, but I know it was in God's perfect will. The Bible said, Jesus, in that regard, who for the joy that was set before him despised the cross and endured the shame. Notice in the book of Ephesians, if you will, please, chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Here the apostle Paul, once again, is in, in dealing with the matter of the purpose and the will of God in his life. In the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Look here in this passage of Scripture. It's a long passage of Scripture. I want to read part of it for you, though. In chapter number 3, look at verse uh, number 11. He's, he, he's talked about all the things he's suffered. And then he says in verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with the confidence by faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. For this cause, I bow my knee unto the Father and to our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the might of his spirit and the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all things that we ask or think according to the power that working in us to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages world without end. Amen. Here's what he's saying to the church at Ephesus. He said, God's got a divine purpose. He said, don't, don't let my suffering bring you down. He said, it's all in God's time. It's all in God's purpose. And God's going to bring it to pass. He said, I'm praying that God will help you understand the comprehensive plan that he's got. Understand that God has a will. God's got a plan. And there's coming a day, it'll all be for his praise and for his honor and glory. And that you might understand and comprehend what is the, the breadth and the height and the depth and the extent of all of God's love toward you in spite of all that goes on. God loves you. God's not angry with you. God's not mad at you. God has a purpose in everything he's doing. God's got that in hand. God's got everything well in hand. 
Now, go back to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians. And I'll read just a brief verse here. He said this, In whom also you have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things at the counsel of his will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. He said God's got a purpose. God's got an eternal purpose. And he said God's working that purpose in your life. Now he's right to the church at Ephesus. Not one of you in this church probably knows a single member of the church at Ephesus. I don't know their names. Don't know anything about them. But the Holy Ghost of God in the Bible said, God's got a purpose, an eternal purpose for your life. And that's true of every person in here. God has a purpose. Uh, and, and here's what we need to understand. God wants you to comprehend, it said, understand that you're in God's plan and God's will. Somehow or another, Christianity has developed into being a spectator sport. They come in great, great arenas and everything and watch a theatrical production. And they don't understand that God is a God of purpose and that he's got a purpose for every one of your lives. Every, everything goes on in your life. There's a purpose for it. Oh, if, listen, I, when you understand that God's got a purpose in your life, you'll be unstoppable. When you understand that God's got a purpose in your life, my dear friend, listen, you, you, you'll be unshaken when things come your way and heartaches come your way. You may not understand it, but you know God's got a purpose. God's working everything after the counsel of his own will. Paul said, I know that all things work together for good to them, the love of the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. How do you know? How do you know that God's got a purpose? How do you know that everything's going to work out? Let me say to you in the first place that if you, have the, if you understand God's got a purpose, you'll understand that he's in, he's in control. No, nothing's out of his control. Nothing happens that's not in his control. You know what Joseph said one time? Joseph was taken by his brethren, put down in a pit, told his daddy he died, sold him into slavery, went into Egypt, went through all the problems there, spent time in jail there uh, because of, of false accusations, everything. Else. Finally promoted up to be the second in command of Pharaoh and had control of everything that was there and was able to save not only the nation of Egypt, but also his own family in a time of famine. And when his brethren came and they, they finally realized it was him, they were afraid of all they had done and how they had treated him. And they were afraid. And here's what Joseph said to him. He said, listen, I'll tell you something. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He understood the purpose of God. And my dear friend, when you get a hold of that, you'll understand the purpose of God. When you get a hold of understanding the purpose of God, it removes fear. You're just going to trust him. I'm excited about seeing what he's going to do tomorrow. I'm excited about what he's going to do the next day. I, that doesn't mean that Paul, Paul said I was, I was in a situation where he said I was pressed beyond measure above strength, even the spirit of life. You're going to go through those days. But that truth in your heart is what's going to sustain you. I'm not feeling good right now. I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling the best in the world, you may say one day. But I've got a truth. I know it's going to work out. God's got a, I've got a light at the end of the tunnel. I may be going through a dark day now, but God's got a plan. God has a plan. First of all, you need to understand that you need to find God's purpose in your life. 
I don't know what God's got for you to do, but you need to be just as sure as if you're a missionary in Africa that whatever you're doing right now in your life is in God's purpose for you. Does it mean that God wants everybody to be a missionary? No. I had a young lady when I was pastoring down in Florida as, a, as a, a fairly young pastor. She came to me and we had a Christian school. And of course, we were all the time challenging them to serve God and do what God would. So, and she came to me one day and she sat in my office and she said, Brother Billy, is it wrong for me just to want to be a wife and mother? And I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I said, what a blessing to know that that's your purpose in life is to be a wife and mother. But to know that's God's plan for your life. And understand that you're not a, just, a, just a little speck of dust somewhere in God's plan. You're very important. You're strategic in his plan of overall, all the plan. You're, you're a very important part of God's plan. And regardless of whatever you're doing, whether you're a, a farmer or a lawyer or, or a doctor or a nurse or, or, or whatever you are, that you're in God's plan and purpose. And God's got a purpose for your life. You need to find the purpose of God in your life. You need to fulfill the purpose of God in your life. You say, Brother Bill, how do we fulfill God's purpose? Understand he's got a plan. Submit yourself to him. The Bible said you ought to be filled with the Holy Ghost and yield yourself to him. Let him do it in your life. Oh, look at these passages of Scripture. Go back to the book of Romans. You say, Brother Billy, do you think you believe that God can use me and God's got a plan for my? Oh, yeah. God's got a wonderful plan. Why? The Bible says in Romans chapter number eight, he talks about God's plan for every believer. And he says that the, in verse number 15, he said, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, you're the child of God. You're the child of God. Whatever God's plan is for your life, that's your plan. I, I don't know why I think about things like I do sometimes. I have weirdest thing. A while ago when the choir was singing, I was thinking about Disney World. I was. I, I really was. I got thinking about it. And, and, and in regard to this message in this particular point, you're the child of God. When, when the Holy Ghost of God came into your heart and he convicted you of your sin, the Spirit of God came in your heart crying, Abba, Father. You know what that means? It means Daddy. It means Daddy. The Holy Ghost of God birthed you. You became his child. And he looked at you as his child. He had seen you before as lost, unregenerated. You were stenching the nostrils of God. But the moment you were saved, you believed on his dear son, the spirit of God comes in your heart crying, Abba, Father. He looks at you differently. And here's what I was thinking about Disney World. There are a lot of people at Disney World. I don't know if you've been there or not. But I remember when the children were small, we lived in Florida, and we went to Disney World. People everywhere. And I, I didn't want anybody to be hurt. I didn't want anybody to have, you know, have any problems. I, you know, I didn't wish anybody ill that was around us anywhere. But I was particularly interested in my children. I wanted them to be able to ride what they wanted to ride. I wanted to be able to get them something to eat. And there's no way in the world I could ever buy them everything they wanted. So I just wanted to give them a little something. But what I'm saying is here was this great mass of people there. And there were a lot of little children, same size, same age, and everything else. And I didn't wish them any ill, but I had a special affinity. I had a special drawing toward my children. I want to make sure they were safe. I want to keep them close to me. I want to make sure they had a good time. I want to make sure they had plenty of food, something to drink. And I wanted them to be able to enjoy that trip. I was watching over them. I was caring for them. And I want you to understand this. 
that of the, of the, all the children, all the children, every one of them special. Now, I'll tell you something. In a broader expanse, the Holy Ghost of God's inside of you this morning if you're a child of God. And God the Father looks at you just like his child. You are his child. He wants to keep you safe. He doesn't want anything to hurt you. He wants to make sure you got plenty to eat. He wants to make sure you got plenty of water. He wants to know that you're doing right. He doesn't want you to do wrong, and so he'll chastise you. But he, he doesn't ever quit keeping his eyes on you. Oh, there's a lot to see at Disney World. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But I'm going to tell you, the whole time I was there, not only was I sitting, but I was watching our children. I wouldn't dare take my eyes off of them. I want to keep close attention. To them. I don't tell you, no matter what's going on in this world, God the Father, you're in his purpose. He loves you. He's looking at you. Oh, you think about the perfect will of God. Notice something else. A little further in this chapter, he says this in Romans chapter 8. Likewise, verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helped I and furnish this, uh, uh, for we know not what to praise we ought, and the Spirit itself bear, uh, maketh intercession for us with groans that cannot be uttered. Did you know? Did you know that the Holy Spirit of God inside of you is always communicating with the Father on your behalf? I dawned on me one day that there's a verse of Scripture that says this. Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And he said, your Heavenly Father knows what things you have need of before you ever ask Him. And I know He's omniscient, knows everything. And this may not be altogether just the only reason, but it dawned on me that you know what? The Holy Spirit of God's praying for me. Hey, that's not the only thing. Look down here, if you will, please. Look at verse number 34. Who is he that condemneth? Is Christ that died? Yea, rather that's risen again, who is even at the right hand of the Father, who also maketh intercession for us. Did you know that in, in the divine purpose of God, he's so concerned about you, put the Holy Spirit of God inside of you to pray. And he's got the son sitting right at the right at his right hand praying for you. Boy, you're you're in you're in pretty high cotton. I mean, you're all right. He's praying for you. God, the Holy Spirit inside of you, interceding on your behalf. The Son of God sitting on the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf. My listen, what a purpose and plan God's got for your life. God's working it out. Oh, listen, so many wonderful truths in here, but I, I'll just skip over a few, but look at verse number 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? God's got a purpose. God's got a plan. God's in control. God doesn't want you to be fearful. And God's for you. He's for you. God's on your side. He's, he wants, to, wants you to be blessed. He wants to meet your needs. He wants to be faithful and meet every need that you've got. You have a purpose in life. And you need to be mindful of that purpose. You must fulfill that purpose. How do you do that? Every day. Every day. God, lead me today. Guide me today. Use me today. My plans, I don't know, I cannot tell you how many days my plans go haywire. I, you know, I, I read all the books. You know, you sit at night and you plan your day out. And, I, you know, you know what is it? Uh, I can't even remember. Nine things that uh, successful if, uh, if people do and all this. And you got to plan your day. And put it, it, it don't ever work that way. I try. But God has a plan. I found out that whenever my plan gets haywire, I get frustrated, get ill, get anxious. And the Holy Ghost of God said, now, wait a minute. 
overriding all of your plans is my purpose. And I've got a purpose. And I know exactly what I'm doing. And what I want you to do is to yield to me. Can I show you a verse in the Bible, quote a verse in the Bible that I really, it just blows my mind. So many of them, they just blow my mind. I got such a little beady mind. But do you remember when the Lord Jesus Christ knelt in the garden and he prayed and he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, but yours. Now that's, there's so many theological questions in my mind about that passage of scripture. Because before the world was ever fashioned, I know I, I preach a message on it being the cup and him not wanting to experience the sin and all that. And I understand all that. But I'm just being honest with you this morning. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless son of God, Emmanuel, God incarnate in human flesh. And he says in that garden scene, not my will, but thine be done. Boy, that, that's an awesome thing, isn't it? It wasn't his will for him to drive a pink Cadillac the next day. It wasn't going to be the Father's will for crowds to mob him and proclaim him King of kings and Lord of lords and lift him up. It was in God's plan for them to spit on him and to beat him and to abuse his body and ultimately to hang him on a cross. Not my will, but thine be done. Knowing this, that resurrection day was coming. Listen, that, that's all we We have been blessed with five children. My wife has gone through those birth pains. I've been there with them. The most pain I felt during that time is when she'd take my hand and just about break it off. In fact, you can tell, if you want to know what yeah, I graduated, it's right there. It's in 19... I had my class ring on when one I was born, and she imprinted me. Boom. But you know what? It talks about a woman travailing in pain, and then after the birth of the child, the joy comes. And God's got a purpose. And all that you go through, you don't understand it all, but God's got a purpose. You have to fulfill God's plan. Lord, not my will, but thine be done. I'm going to live in it, rejoice in it. That means I'm not keeping records. It means I don't have an agenda. It means I'm not glorying in whatever happens I'm just going to give him all the glory and praise. I know ultimately, finally, it'll do that. I, finish, I, I, I say this, not only must you find God's purpose in your life, you must fulfill it. And you do that by all these other things I've said. But then you must finish it. Must finish it. I had a little birthday the other day. Turned 65. And I've been preaching and pastoring a long time. And I don't know how long God let me go. My good friend Avery Rogers was killed in a car wreck driving from a meeting in Arkansas to Asheville when he was 82 years old. Dr. Lee Robertson went home with the Lord some time ago, I think like 90-something years old. I don't know how long God let me live, but I want to fulfill his purpose. I want to come to the end of my life and like the Apostle Paul said, I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. I want to finish well. I don't have any intention now of changing my thought, my life, my surrender. I want to do his will. I want to finish it. And God's got a purpose for your life. And you, if you're not dead, he's not through with you yet. 
There's a purpose in your life. We need somebody to come forward who will say, I want to do children's church. Melissa's directed. Everyone's directed. Miss Shirley's directed it. Right now, we don't have anybody. And I, I'm praying, and Miss Shirley and I were talking about this morning, that there'd be some young couple or some couple who'd say, that would be God's purpose in my life, to take boys and girls from three to five every Sunday morning and do church for them over there. We have a lot of visitors and guests who come. We have little children who initially are not comfortable with little children standing with them. And then, too, a lot of them don't relate to what I say. A lot of you don't relate to what I say. And so, but wouldn't it be a, there's a, God's got somebody to do that. Now, you need to find that purpose. If that's your purpose, if that's what God wants you to do, he'll show you. But you need to fulfill that purpose in life. Can I tell you why so many Christians and so many church people are depressed? They don't think they have a purpose in life anymore. A lot of retirees, most people who retire don't live long after they retire. You know why? Because their health goes down drastically? Not necessarily. Their health goes down drastically because they lose purpose in life. They don't have a purpose. They don't feel like they're important anymore. They don't feel like they've got a job anymore. They, don't, they, don't, they feel useless. You don't have to be old to be that way. I've related the story before, but several years ago, we were vacationing down on Long Beach, and I'd always get up, I'd most of the time get up early and either walk down and go, go fish a little bit or go ride around. Love just get out and ride around the island before anybody else gets stirred. This is real early one morning. And, it, and not real early to some of you. I know some of you, 6.30 is not real early to some of you, but it's probably 6.30 or so. I was riding around the island, and I came down to... Down near the intercoastal, there's a little pier, a little park, a little pier. And I thought I'd walk out there, and I'd, I'd been by there several times, just walk out and pray a little bit that morning. I pulled up, there's a truck sitting there. And I walked out, and there was a man standing on the end of the island, on the end of the pier, looking out across the intercoastal. I, I could look at his face and tell he had no joy. He was the most dejected man you ever seen, but yet he was a young man, young man. And I said, I said good morning, beautiful day, isn't it? He hardly said a word, just kind of mumbled, grunted something. And I walked on to the other side of the pier and looked out and looking at the sun, everything. And I just felt little, I just felt like I ought to say something to him. I said something about again, how beautiful it was. How, and he said, I reckon, I reckon. Anyway, I, I kind of began to talk to him a little bit and got up close to him. He's 45 years old. 45 years old. And he had started his life's work when he was 15. He's not supposed to start until he was 18, but he lied. And he started as an underwater welder at the age of 15. He'd been around the world and done underwater welding. For the last several years of his life, he made $250,000 a year. He had three farms and a beach house. 45 years old. And he's the most dejected, sad man I've ever seen, I think. And I said, well, man, you got time to do anything. You, you're good help. You can do anything you want to do. He said, I, they forced me this week into retirement. 30 years, I had to retire. They wouldn't let me work any longer. He said, I work for nothing. He said, the money don't mean a thing. He said, but that's all I've ever done. I have no, I tried to witness to him. He didn't want to hear much. Then he won't talk to him about the Lord. 
But I walked off the end of that pier and got in my car, drive home, back to the house. And I thought, how sad. A man, 45 years old, and yet he has no purpose. Nothing. It didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to be that way. The Bible's full of people who in old age were still on fire for God, still recognizing God's purpose in life, still things to be done. God's got a plan for your life. I want you to know you're important. Regardless of what's happened in your life, what drastic change has been made in your family, regardless of what sickness has invaded your body, God's still in control. God still has a purpose and you need to find it and fulfill it and finish it for the glory of God. Don't leave out grumbling. Leave out glorifying God.